Welcome to The Ferment, everyone. Today, we've got a bit of a different episode to bring you. This episode is all going to be about Patricia, the new wines, the launch, of course, and Patricia Brown, our matriarch here at Brown Family Wine Group. I have Caroline and Emma in the studio today, so welcome to the both of you. Thanks, Harry. So I'm in Studio 3, Caroline Studio 4. Emma, you're going to have to be Studio, I think, 5, will it be, Caroline? You can have five, yeah. <laughs> five. And and where is that, Emma? Is that at home or are you at the office? It's in Everton, so up on a hill in Everton, Harry. Hoping connectivity holds out for me. <laughs> so, Harry, as you said, it is that time of year that we launched the Patricia range. Um, but this year's been a little bit different for a number of reasons. And many people who are listening would have worked out already that we've chosen to stagger the launch of Patricia wines this year as we want to make sure that we're releasing the wines at their prime but also that we don't have a huge amount of vintage stock in stores, so making sure that demand is there before we launch the new vintages. And, of course, this year, usually the three of us are travelling the countryside, doing dinners, launches, telling all the stories about Patricia, but due to COVID-19, that's not going to happen. However, we do have some activity planned, and we might welcome Emma into the studio to tell us a little bit more. But before I do that, I just need you to listen really carefully because Emma and I have been told that we have very similar sounding voices. So you may need to stay focused to remember who's talking. (laughs) Over to you, Emma. (laughs) Thanks, Carolyn. And I won't tell anyone that I've dumped a few boyfriends for you over the phone before. (laughs) 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 But thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm really excited because this time of the year is pretty special for us. And I know that we're doing this kind of later in the year than the normal 17th of March. But I feel like Patricia has a place in our heart all through the year. So really excited to be talking about Patricia and how we're doing things a little bit differently. So this year, as a lot of you would know, we're not doing one day launch for all of the wines, which is a really exciting change for us, I think, for many different reasons. Firstly, I think it allows us to actually sell through all of our stock in a timely manner. And so it actually allows us to fully deplete through each of the wines without moving on to the new vintage and leaving behind a whole lot of stock. And I think secondly, it really allows us to release the wines at their optimum. We're really lucky with the Patricia wines that we do have such a diverse range of wines in the tier that a sparkling wine doesn't necessarily reach its optimum at the same time as a Shiraz. So this really allows us to release the wines at their optimum and when the market's really ready for that new vintage to come out in the particular varietal and I guess category that it's working within. So really what that means is we've got a staggered approach through 2020. Some of the wines have already released, the sparkling, the noble, and also the Chardonnay. But we will wait a couple of months until we do roll into the Shiraz and the Cabernet. And Emma, unfortunately, as Caroline's just mentioned, no physical Patricia launch this year. And, you know, obviously the circumstances don't allow that. So that, that's a bit of a challenge. But what have we got instead? Yeah, unfortunately not, Harry. We... um. We don't get to travel around and, and see all of our favourite people this year, but we do have something pretty exciting that has been rolled out, and that's Patricia Virtual Tastings. Now, we've kicked off these tastings already, and we've got a really loyal following that's starting to join each week. So it is consecutively five weeks across May and June, focusing on a different wine each week. Now, this has been extended to our database and our Epicureans, 
And we've been getting roughly around 90 to 110 people for each of these Tuesday nights. Some people pairing a special recipe that Bodhi Pice from the Epicurean Centre has produced and some people just really enjoying the wines. Emma, it was just overwhelming to see the number of people tuning into the tasting. Some very familiar faces, but also some new people who perhaps don't know a lot about the Patricia range or haven't had exposure to the brand before. Yes, certainly, Caroline. And a lot of people have come back to us and said, normally in my in my normal life, I wouldn't have the time to attend a Patricia dinner. And sometimes they sell out and people haven't had access to them. So this is allowing us to reach that audience that haven't otherwise attended before. So let's talk a little bit about the new releases. We've got three of them that we're talking through over the next five weeks. So firstly, the sparkling, we're moving on to the 2013 vintage. A lot of the winemaking is similar to previous years. I guess the biggest difference is the blend of this year. So it's 76% Pinot Noir and 24% Chardonnay, which generally it's been around an 80-20 blend, but just worked out that that was the better blend in 2013. We still do the six years on lees in the bottle and I mentioned during the masterclass that we've had so far on the bubbles that a lot of companies if they had that period of time with the wine resting on the yeast lees they would call it a late disgorged wine and whack an extra 30 or 40 dollars on the price tag but that's just been the way that this wine's been made over you know some 20 years that it's had that five six years of time on lees so that's just our normal make for the Patricia bubbles but I think it's a very important story to be able to tell about that wine the balance is amazing it's got that really tremendous complexity from the the time on yeast but it's also got terrific acidity from the cool climate Whitlands vineyard it's an amazingly balanced bubbles the chardonnay we're moving on to the 18 vintage and 2018 in tasmania was absolutely exceptional one of those years where it was a little bit warmer which allowed us to get those really nice high-end stone fruit richer riper fruit flavors but obviously Obviously, again, Tasmania has amazing natural acidity. We still went through 100% malolactic fermentation just to drop that acidity down a bit, but it was really the complexity of the the vintage giving us all these arrays of fruit-driven flavours and balancing out with the acidity was just brilliant. It's a 50-50 blend of Cayena and our Hazards Vineyard, and it's 100% barrel fermentation with natural yeast and a lot of solids fermentation as well, which adds to the complexity. And the final wine for the releases this year is the Noble Riesling 2015. And again, this is fairly similar to what we've had in the past, but really the Noble is very, very susceptible to the conditions. And this year we got an amazing level of really good botrytis, and that meant that our natural sugars in the vineyard were extraordinary. We've ended up with an incredibly balanced wine with 193 grams per litre residual sugar. Now the 2014 was a deeper colour and you would think that would have been more botrytis and more natural sugar but it was only 164 grams per litre. So we've got a sweeter wine but I think the 15 a more balanced wine even though it's got a higher level of sugar. We've kept the little bit of new oak, new French oak just for complexity but the other parts of the winemaking are similar to what we've had in the past. So three absolutely outstanding wines to be releasing into the Patricia range this year. Fantastic. Now, last week we did the masterclass, the the kickoff masterclass for the bubbles and uh, Ross was involved and he actually had the 2012 
bubbles and then the 13 for a comparison. And not to say that the 13 is better than the 12, but I think it was one of the first times Ross had actually tasted the finished wine of the 2013 and he was just gobsmacked. He just thought it was absolutely brilliant. So that was exciting to see. So we still have some reds to be launched later in the year, but we're still on the 15 vintages as we go. And what we'll do is as those reds start to make their way up, we'll either do a a ferment podcast on those or get some video imagery out to everyone on how those wines are looking on release. Fantastic. So throughout my time at Brown Family Wine Group, I've been presenting the Patricia Range for a long time, 17 years in fact, and over my time I've heard some wonderful stories about Patricia. For example, you know, the great story with Ross pretending that he's a big macho northeast Victorian man, but his mum pouring hot water down his handlebars to keep his hands warm in winter while he's riding his bike down to the local primary school. But Caroline, have you got a little bit of a surprise for us today in terms of the Patricia stories? Yeah, I do actually. I think for all of our listeners out there, as you said, they've probably heard a lot of stories about Patricia Brown, the woman, and what an incredible family matriarch and loving, caring mother that she was to bring up her four boys. And really, she was the unofficial CEO of the business, really. And we have heard a lot of those stories from from Ross and from John and their brothers as well over the years. But today, I've actually called up members of the next generation. So including Emma, we're going to hear from a few of the next gen members and hear some stories about their interactions and their stories of Patricia. So first of all, I'm going to hand over to Emma to tell us some of her memories of Patricia. Yeah, thanks, Carolyn. I had a I had a great time kind of reminiscing on Patricia stories, knowing that I was talking to yourself and Harry today. I never like to open up saying that the story is going to be funny or interesting, but I think that they are. <laughs> now you have. <laughs> I, it was quite interesting. So I'm I'm the youngest of the fourth generation, and um, so the youngest of our generation. And all through my childhood, Nana wasn't only just a Nana, she was also our neighbour. And so Nana and Pop actually lived across the paddock from us growing up. And so she became a pretty big part of our lives, particularly kind of being the youngest and kind of being at home for a little bit longer. I got to experience Patricia or Nana in a completely different way. And that being Cyber Nana. Now, <laughs> back in the late 1990s, early 2000s, our cousin John Andrew actually got Nana and Pop onto the World Wide Web by getting them a computer and setting it up in the study. Nana was a little bit uh, apprehensive at the start, but then um, Cyber Nana kicked in and Cyber Nana actually started using chat rooms to stay connected, not only to her friends, but to her new friends all around the world. And I used to have a great time kind of watching Nana interact with the likes of MIRC and other chat rooms and chatting to people all around the world, this Cyber Nana sitting in the middle of a paddock in Oxley. <laughs> Cyber Nana, she, she was great on the chat rooms. She did have a few technical issues along the way. And I actually think this was actually part of Nana's ploy to get us to go over and visit her. It would be almost a weekly basis that Nana would call up and say, oh, my my television's not working or my computer's not working, my internet isn't connecting or my or my telephone message bank isn't working. And so there I would be a very likely suspect of jumping over and helping and plod across the paddock to go and visit Nana. And more often than not, she would have just turned the PowerPoint off. And I think she... <laughs> Just enjoyed having someone to come over for a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's gorgeous. 
<laughs> I guess my, apart from Cyber Nana, uh, my other fondest memory is kind of staying over at Nana's house and Nana would babysit myself, Philippa and Stephanie Rogers, two daughters, quite often given kind of were a bit younger than the rest. And so we, w- we would often stay over at Nana's house and there would be some nights that she would just tuck us in so tight. We just didn't know whether we'd make it to tomorrow. <laughs> and this was a key skill of Nana's. And I think upon reflection now, I really understand that tight talk of her bringing up four boys, of really making sure that they didn't get up to any mischief at night time. I think that was a key tactic of tucking them in so tight that they couldn't even get blood circulating through their body. So she knew exactly where they'd be the next morning. <laughs> no, I think I, I've still got some circulation issues from Nana's tight tucking. Gorgeous <laughs> stories. Thanks so much, Emma. And a great story there. How about we try to give Eliza Brown a call? This is Eliza speaking. Hi, Liz. It's Caroline and Harry here. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Good, yeah, thank good, you. thank you. I'm missing people. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> we, don't, we don't know how to have a proper conversation anymore. <laughs> no, we don't. We thought it would be a good time to touch base and we've had Emma telling us some lovely stories about Patricia. We're reaching out to the next gen to ask for some stories and recollections that you have of our Nana Patricia. So do you have any stories that you wanted to tell? Oh, there's so many stories about Nana and Patricia. Probably one, you know how terrible a driver she was. I'm not (laughs) allowed to say that. Yes, you can say that. (laughs) (laughs) We used to drive with one side of the car in the dirt and the other side of the car on the asphalt pretty much from um, Millerwa to Oxley nearly every day. And there's only one thing I think she didn't really like very much in the world, which was getting pulled over by the police. And so every time she would see a police car sitting in Oxley or Millerwa, she would ring the winery and tell all the staff that they, ha- they need to be careful when they drive <laughs> to and from work. Give everyone so, the heads up. <laughs> yeah, but I think it was, it was more about... Kept getting pulled up because she was driving so badly anyway. But <laughs> um, yeah, she just didn't. That was the only thing I think she ever heard her saying mean things about was the police pulling her up for probably going too slow. She probably got angry <laughs> with the people at the car detailer shop when they said that, that she had, had to keep changing the two left hand side wheels <laughs> over as well. <laughs> I'm sure that, I'm sure her lovely sons would have rotated a, a wheel quite often. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's pretty funny though. You could always yeah. always see it coming in a in a uh, well of dust. I remember when they introduced those rumble strips on the side of the road to stop you from falling asleep at the wheel or whatever it was. And Nana used to drive me to school from Oxley Township to the local primary school, and she used to drive along the rumble strips because she thought it sounded fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> How did you feel about that, Carol? <laughs> as long as she was paying enough attention, I was okay. But yes, I used to get a, a little bit nervous in the car with Nana, I must admit. <laughs> yes, I know. The pop wasn't much better, you know. <laughs> we all survived. Yeah, we did survive to tell the tales. <laughs> well, I've got one other story. When Pop passed away, I thought it'd be nice to 
give Nana a book so we can both read the same book and then we catch up on the phone and have a chat. And I gave her this really, what I thought was sort of a top 50s top seller book and so I gave it to her and she wrote me a letter about a month later saying that the book was incredible and if she had have known all the things in the book, she probably wouldn't have got married. <laughs> I can't tell you what the book was about because I got halfway through the book when we started to read it together and realised it was a little bit sexy and thought, oh my God, I've just given my grandmother an R-rated book to read and uh, she's never going to talk to me again, but it's actually the opposite. <laughs> That's terrific. I still remember exactly what book it was as well as ever. <laughs> was it, was, was I this before? Read the first couple of pages, I think. Hang on, was this before Fifty Shades of Grey or are we talking about this book? <laughs> Well, it was probably worse than 50 Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yeah. She's a very open-minded woman, though, wasn't she, Caroline? Yeah, I feel like after Pop passed away, she really sort of came out of her shell a little bit and she was a lot, like, cheekier and a lot more sort of open and honest, which was nice, yeah. a nice side to no, say. She absolutely was. And she had lots of plans, which, you know, that was a bit sad that she didn't get to do all the things that she wanted to do. It was a nice moment getting that letter in the mail from her and realising that she was not just a grandma, she was a, she was a human. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Eliza. They're absolutely beautiful stories and no, no doubt all the listeners out there will love hearing the other side of Patricia Brown. So we really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks Eliza. Thanks, Caroline. <laughs> How good was that? I can't get enough of these stories, so let's try to call somebody else. Oh, hello, Angela speaking. Hi, Ange. How are you going? Hi, Caroline. Good. Now I've got Harry on the line as well. Hi, Angela. How are you? Hi, Harry. Good, thank you. That's good. Welcome to the ferment. <laughs> thank you. Very exciting. Now, and uh, we hear you've got a few Patricia stories to tell us. I have got a few little snippets, I think. It was a lot of fun thinking back to lots of happy memories with Nana. Yeah, she was um, definitely a character and we've already heard some fabulous stories. So when you're ready, let us know what you've got. Yeah, so I've got a few little gems here. I guess one of the main memories I've got of Nana is staying at the house at Millawa, which is now the... um. Oh, what what, will we, what do we call it now? The front house at Miller, the red brick house. So we used to stay there when we were kids and when mum and dad were travelling, usually for work over in China and America, we would be sent down to the red brick house to stay for a couple of days or a week or something like that. It was always fun to stay there because that house, when you're a kid, seemed to have lots of places to hide. Nana would always make you feel so warm and fuzzy. And I, one of those things was always she had a fridge full of lemon curd and she used to have that on toast for breakfast. And she also used to make us these beautiful little butterfly cakes. I remember they were like a little cupcake with the top cut off and the, the top put back in like little wings and some jelly poked inside and they were just, just tasted so good. But she had all these activities for us too. She had this big stamp collection where we'd sit in the... um in the sunroom and she'd bring out all the stamps and they had that beautiful smell and we'd dance in for ages and try not to stamp anything other than the paper. At the end of the night, the main um, memory I think I have was we'd get into these beds and the beds were big old high beds which they'd had at the house forever, I think. They're probably the same beds that the boys had slept in. We'd get into the bed and Nana would tuck you in. Well, she'd, she'd tuck you in, not like a normal tuck in that you, you would think someone would tuck you into bed it was the tightest tuck in that you've ever 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 experienced she would get the sheets and tuck them so hard I think she's such a slight 
lady, but she was extremely strong. So she'd tuck the sheets in that you could hardly even breathe. You couldn't move. And he didn't want to say anything to um, upset Nana. So you'd lie there and then she'd walk out of the room and say goodnight. She shut the door and the room was so dark. And you'd spend about the next couple of hours just trying to wriggle your shoulders out of this tight, tight bedspread that was over the top of you. So that was one funny story, I think. Angela, that is so funny because Emma told a very similar story. <laughs> she said her, her Stephanie and Philippa would be lying in bed and none of them would be able to move. That's nice. <laughs> she was so strong. Angela, just Sorry. before you move on to your second story, you're talking about the lemon curd and the little butterfly, um, little were they little sponge butterfly sort of cakes? The ones yeah, that, yeah, oh vanilla little cupcakes. Like yeah. I'm almost tearing up in Studio 3 here because my grandmother used to make exactly the same thing. We would have the lemon curd on toast for breakfast and the butterfly cakes for afternoon tea. It was, yeah, just amazing. It must have been that generation that was the sort of thing to be done. Yeah, I think it was. I've got a full recipe book here, actually, of Nana's recipes that we wrote down and got printed after Dad died, actually. We found a heap of recipes, and because the whole family wanted a copy, we got them typed out and got, distributed a copy to everyone in the family. The funny thing about the recipe book is at the bottom, we've put in the, the notes that Nana had written on each of the recipes, and she, <laughs> she had quite a, a funny sense of humour. So, like here, one of the ones, it's got the large sponge, and she's written down the bottom, just follow the above directions and don't try to improve on it. Um, <laughs> there's another one, a nougat slice. And at the bottom she's written, rather dry and crumbly. <laughs> don't bother with that one. <laughs> and then another one, the coconut refrigerator biscuits. Notes, unsuccessful when baked like. <laughs> Funny little, little, little it really displays her sense of humour. But I think what the other story that I was going to tell you was Nanny used to come, or her, her love of gardening, I, I think, has come through in all of us. But I, I love gardening and I think I love growing herbs as well. And I think that comes from her. She used to grow the herbs in her garden at Oxley and then she would give little snippets to dad all repotted and sent them down to Melbourne to me when I was living in Melbourne so dad would roll up in the street and open his boot and his boot would be full of all these little planted herbs which I loved but one day I said to her I really love your tomato sauce and she said I'll write the recipe down for you so she sent this next time with dad the big boot full of herbs and the tomato sauce recipe and I opened up in the out of the envelope and read through it and it was really really long about exactly what you had to do and then right at the bottom of the tomato sauce recipe, it said, but don't bother making it. It takes way too long, darling. Just go and buy some. <laughs> oh, that's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like one of those tests, you know, where you've got 20 questions, you've got to do it in two minutes. And like the last question is, don't bother doing the rest of the questions, just answer this one or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just very funny. It was, a, it was a full page of a recipe. And then right down the bottom, it just said, well, just don't bother making it. It will take too much of your time up. Just go and buy some. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Anne. I think we've definitely seen a different side to Patricia hearing the stories from our generation. So we appreciate your time. Uh, That's my pleasure. We we can all sit down and have a glass of wine together sometime soon, hopefully, and share some more. Sounds perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much to everyone from the next gen who called in today and told us their beautiful stories about Patricia or our Nana, as we called her. 
Uh, she really was such an incredible woman with a kind, vivacious and very witty personality. I know, Caroline. It's just been brilliant to hear all those stories. I especially love Emma's with Cyber Nana. I've just got visions of Patricia sitting behind a computer and going, oh, I really would like to catch up with someone. So just flicking the computer off and ringing around till someone could come over and fix the computer and, and have a cup of tea. I just love that. And some of these stories, I think, you know, not only me, but everyone will be using these over the next few years just to, to tell our loyal followers of the Patricia range just what an amazing lady Patricia was so thank you so much for your time today Emma and sharing your stories and thank you for joining us at the ferment thanks Harry thanks Caroline thanks so much Emma and all the best for the rest of the masterclasses to roll out over the next few weeks how good was that everyone if you have any feedback for us at the ferment please send us an email at theferment at brownfwg.com.au. Also, don't forget to check out our Tasting Note podcast. Thanks for listening to The Ferment, everyone. Stay safe out there, chase hard, look out for each other.